I want to talk to you today about sitting in the wrong seat. Sitting in the wrong seat. And uh, I, I think a lot of us are tired in this room today, uh, mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted, because many of us are sitting in the wrong seat. And I want to help us with that today. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We ask over these next few moments, you would speak so clear to us, change us forever, make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Well, yesterday we had one of, the, one of the greatest outreaches in the history of our church. We were able to serve uh, our community with over 350 boxes of groceries. And uh, it was awesome. We partnered with a lot of different ministries. And I just wanted to say thank you to all of the volunteers here at Calvary that helped make that possible. You guys are incredible. And we're so grateful for you. And listen, ETSU donated over a thousand hot meals yesterday. So I want to say thank you to ETSU, Good Samaritan, and all of our other sponsors. So many people got involved and uh, it was an incredible day, an incredible event. And I want to say a special thank you to Rebecca Davis who organized the whole thing and put it all together for us. Thank you, sis. I love you. Can't do this without you. I'm so grateful for you. I really am. If you have a Bible, would you go to James chapter 4? James chapter 4. We're going to jump into verses 11 and 12. James chapter 4. This past week, I had the honor of preaching at my wife's uh, grandfather's funeral. And uh, it was unusual for me because usually when someone is older, I usually don't get asked to do the funeral um, because I've not been preaching that long. <laughs> and so usually someone that age has a, a pastor that they, you know, have uh, been with for a long time. And my pap actually had been to one church for a while and then he had, his wife had passed away years ago and now he had a new girlfriend and he was going to church with her. And so he was kind of bouncing back and forth. And so uh, I think um, I just, I got asked because I think maybe I was the most consistent preacher <laughs> in his life. And so it was an absolute honor for me uh, to share at his funeral this past weekend, 91 years old and uh, has uh, an incredible legacy he's left in the earth, loved Jesus. And uh, so we just got back from that last night and so that's why I wasn't able to make the event yesterday and I've been I've been uh driving I left on Thursday and uh drove back yesterday so th this is why am I so tired part two because I'm still tired <laughs> <laughs> but James chapter four we're gonna start in verse 11 it says this brothers and sisters do not slander one another anyone who speaks against a brother or sister judges them and he speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. Just look at somebody beside you and say, you're in the wrong seat. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. Don't forget that about God. <laughs> We talk about a God who is able to save, but don't forget that God also 
is able to destroy. That's why the Bible says, hey, listen, don't fear men. All they can do is kill you and put you in the ground. God can destroy not only your life, but he can destroy your eternity if you, if you don't give your life to him. Watch this last part. It says, but you, you, that's me, that's you. No one in this room is exempt from, from this. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor. I've been uh, just observing over these past few weeks and months, and I have seen more judgment from person to person in these past few months than I have seen, I think, in my entire lifetime. And it's, it's disheartening, and it's, it's tiresome, and it wears me down, because not only... Am I seeing it? Can I be honest with you? I've been doing it. I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty myself of sitting in the wrong seat. The Bible tells me that there is only one lawgiver and one judge, and that is God. So the question to me is, who am I to judge my neighbor? Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, he's talking about judgment. And he says this. Jesus says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I have discovered that my tiredness and much of your tiredness is the result of sitting in a seat that doesn't belong to us. It's the result of taking the position of the lawgiver and the judge instead of the (laughs) lawbreaker. There is an awesome story in 2 Samuel chapter 12. David has, if you're familiar with his life, he didn't just defeat Goliath, but he he made some crazy mistakes over his life. And one of the mistakes he made was He was attracted to this woman named Bathsheba. And because of it, he actually causes for her husband to be killed. And he takes her as his wife. And because of this sin, God is going to deal with David. And he uses the prophet Nathan to come and to speak a word of rebuke to David. But when Nathan gets to David, he does something very interesting. He doesn't just come in and say, hey, David, here's your mistake. He starts out by telling David... A story. And he tells him this story about two different men. One was a rich man and one was a poor man. And he says, David, there were, there were these two men. One was rich, one was poor. One had a lot of sheep and cattle. And then this poor man, David, he had one little lamb. And this one little lamb was precious to him. He loved this little lamb, the Bible says, like it was his own child. He took care of it. The lamb ate from his hand. It drank from his cup. It slept in his bed. It slept in his 
arms. He loved this lamb. He loved it. And one day a stranger comes to town to visit the rich man. And Nathan says, David, instead of the rich man pulling from his own cattle and his own sheep, David, this rich man, he took that one little lamb from the poor man and he killed it and he ate it and he fed it to the visitor. Now watch what David does. The Bible says David is burning with anger. Has anybody felt anger burning on the inside of you just over the past anybody just want to throw your hand up you just a little bit on it's just like a little bit of anger like burning on the inside david is burning with anger and what does david do david says show me where he is tell me who this guy is and i will take him out and i will make him repay four times what he owes to the poor man david sitting there in his hero status because he's the giant killer after all He's the hero of God's people after all. He's, he's, he's burning with anger and he's ready to take his vengeance out. He's ready to get revenge for this poor man. And Nathan the prophet looks at David and he says, you are the man. Can I suggest to you maybe the point of Jesus' story in Matthew chapter 7 is not, is not about you dealing with your own issues so that you can deal with other people's issues. Maybe Jesus' point in the story in Matthew chapter 7 in this illustration is that your issues are so big, you're going to spend the rest of your life dealing with you that you won't have the time to judge your neighbor. I feel like my issues are so great that if I just spend the rest of my life dealing with me, then I'm going to have a lot of work on my hands. And I think some of us are really exhausted today because not only are we facing our own issues, but we are dealing with the issues of other people and they were never intended to be the thing we judge. Think about that. David said, I'll, 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 kill, I'll kill him. Nathan says, you're the man. What is David's response? Oh, I've sinned against God. Because what, what's the difference? For other people, we've got all the judgment in the world. But for us, we've got all the grace in the world. When they do it, they meant it. When we did it, we, I didn't mean that. That's not what I, that was not my intention. Ooh, man. Second Corinthians chapter 13 and 5 says, Paul says, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you, question mark, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. We're really good at determining whether or not someone else has failed the test. We are not very good at determining whether or not we have failed the test. Is anybody in the room today just want to say, God, I have failed 
the test. Over these past few weeks, I have failed the test. I am that man. It's me. Whew. Why is this so important? It's important because if we don't examine ourselves, see, our tendency is naturally to seek out information or evidence that confirms our beliefs, our values, and our decisions. We naturally do this. We naturally seek out evidence to confirm what we already believe. That's why you watch the news channel you watch. That's why you listen to the radio personality you listen to. You seek out evidence to confirm what you already believe. And the reason this is very dangerous for us is because not only does this apply to making us limited in our thinking, not only does this get us caught up in ineffective traditions, but this also can lead to our loss of faith. What's happening in our culture today is we have a lot of young people who are deconstructing their faith. Why? Because they need so much evidence for faith. But faith is the evidence. And what we've done in our culture is we are so obsessed with seeking out information that validates what we believe that when that information disappears and that validation disappears, we don't know what we believe anymore. And this is dangerous to us. This is not only dangerous to us personally and in our relationships, but this is dangerous to our faith. If you keep pressing the issue somewhere, you're going to get to some answered, some unanswered question when it comes to your relationship with God. And it's going to require, I just believe. Prove it to me. I, I, I can't. I just believe. Show it to me. I can't. I just believe. Well, you say he's a healer, but you're sick. I know, but... I just believe. You say he's a provider, but you're going through. But I just believe. You're going to spend the rest of your life questioning your faith if you keep seeking out evidence for your faith. We do this in our own personal lives as well. We keep going back to those sources that will feed us the information that we want to hear. And we never challenge ourselves with that place called uncertainty <laughs> and because of this we read the bible entirely wrong most of the time we read the bible so wrong i, I remember growing up and and i always put myself in in the bible Anybody ever do this? Like you kind of you put yourself in the Bible and in the story in the Bible. And I found out that I never put myself 
in any other position other than the hero. I'm always the hero. I'm always David defeating the giants. I'm, I'm always Joshua marching around the walls. I'm always Noah building an ark for God. <laughs> I'm always Moses leading the people out into the promise. But I'm never the prostitute thrown in front of Jesus. I'm, I'm never David on the roof looking at Bathsheba while she's bathing. I'm always David with a sling in my hand. And I've, I found out I was reading the Bible wrong. I was making myself the hero of the Bible. <laughs> and the intention of the Old Testament heroes is really not so that you idolize them. It's so that you can see that no matter how great they were, they were also very extremely flawed. The Bible says Moses was the most patient man on earth. And he lost his cool and missed out on the promise of God. To show you that if Moses can lose his cool, what does that say about me and you? If David, who could defeat giants, has a lust problem, what does that say about me and you? If Joshua, come on, could walk around the walls but deal with his own insecurities, what does that say? about me and you. We are not the hero of the Bible. We are the villain. <laughs> You're not the hero of this story. You are the villain. You are the reason Jesus Christ hung on that cross and died that horrible. It was me and you. I did that to him. Sometimes we look at those Roman soldiers and we look at those people standing around saying crucify him as if we would be any different when all of his disciples abandoned him. Oh my goodness. And the only one at the cross was John. Why is John there? John is so different from me and you. We brag about our love for God. John bragged about God's love for him. So no wonder John was at the cross. John wasn't proud. And in the moment Jesus fell on his face and he looked defeated, John wasn't embarrassed of him. John wasn't embarrassed by him to the point that he walked away from him because he was not convinced in his love for him. He was convinced in his love for him. Think about it. Pride is so deceptive. It's, it's like body odor. You're the last one to see it and smell it. You, you can... My breath's not that bad. Oh! <laughs> yeah, it is. We can smell you coming. We know, we know you entered the room. We didn't even see you. Like We just... We got that, the wind blew, and it was like, oh, they're here. Maybe it's not because your breath stinks, maybe because your attitude stinks, and you walk into a room and the whole thing shuts down. But you are, we are not the hero of this story. Jesus is. David isn't really a hero. Moses isn't really a hero. The prophets aren't really heroes. 
they actually point us to the hero, who is Jesus. Moses can deliver people, but he can't take them in. Jesus is better than Moses. Not only will he deliver you, but he will take you in. Oh, my goodness. And when you, when you don't see yourself correctly, you will read the Bible entirely wrong. See, we, we make ourselves into the hero who burns with anger against the sinner instead of being shattered by our own sinfulness. See, it's easier to apply the Bible to someone else than it is to correct your own behavior. You see, right now, this message can't help you if you don't think it's for you. If right now you're thinking of someone who should really hear this message, (laughs) this message is for you. You're deflecting. That's what we love to do with the Bible. We, We love to use the Bible as a hand grenade to throw at somebody else. But sometimes we just need to let it drop right in front of us and see what damage it does to us. I want the Bible to help me read me, not others. Man, we are professionals at other people's intentions. <laughs> we are discerners of people's hearts and motives. God says that is not your job. It's not your job. So my challenge to all of us today is to, is to do this. Is just simply explore the possibility that you could be wrong. Just explore it. In all of your online fighting and deba- debating and all of your posts and reposts and feuds on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, could you explore the possibility that maybe you're not right? Notice, <laughs> notice Paul's progression through Scripture. The Apostle Paul. First yeah. Corinthians 15 and 9, the Apostle Paul says, he says, I'm the least of the apostles. In Ephesians 3 and 7, Paul says, I'm the least of God's people. And then in 1 Timothy 1 and 5, he says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, or the chief. If there's anybody leading when it comes to letting God down, it's me, he says. I'm the least of the apostles. Early on in Paul's ministry, he's trying to prove himself. Because he was such a terrible person before. So you can imagine he's got this struggle of trying to make sure that everybody knows like he's a, he's a man of God. And matter of fact, he declares it many times. I, Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine if I did that every time I got up in the service. And I, Robbie Hilton, lead pastor of Calvary Church. Just wanted to give you that information before I got into the message. Just so my message has more validity, right? 
So Paul had this own progression in his life where he, he, he recognized, I don't really have to prove myself to anyone. God will take care of all of that for me. So he goes from, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the least of the followers of Jesus to, no, 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 no. You know who I really am? I'm the chief of sinners. Now watch this. It's not because Paul was sinning more at the end than at the beginning. Don't misinterpret Paul's words to excuse bad behavior in your own life. No, Paul is saying, I'm the chief of sinners. Why? Because the older he got, the clearer he saw God's glory and holiness. And when, he, and when he looked at his own life in clear view of who he saw God to be, he said, I'm the worst. That's why the Bible says, whoever loves much, why? It's because they were forgiven much. So how, how bad do you think you needed to be forgiven? I think part of the reason people don't witness is not because they're, they're shy or ashamed of Jesus. I think one of the reasons we don't witness is, is that we just don't believe we needed Jesus that bad. And so if you didn't need him bad, then why would anybody else need him? Could, could my life, so we're considering the possibility that we're wrong. So what we have to consider in that possibility is this. Could my life be the way it is because of my own sinfulness and not because I'm a victim? <laughs> a lot of blame going around these days. God's word tells us, hey, listen, your life is not anybody else's fault. It's truly the result of your decisions. Life is not about what happens to you, but really about how you decide to deal with the things that happen to you. So what are you going to do with your own sinfulness? What are you going to do about the plank that's in your eye? <laughs> have you ever <laughs> sorry this might, this might throw somebody under the bus right now and I'm so sorry if this is you but like during the winter I was, I was at the gym and I was watching this guy and uh, man this guy was so shredded like he was he was so ripped I could not even believe it and he was older than me and so I was angry about it I was angry. And I'm in there and I'm doing all I can. And I, it gets to this summer, right? And just a few days ago, um, I went in. And where it's not winter, he's not wearing pants anymore. So he has shorts on. So evidently, this guy skips leg day every day.
and, and as I watched him working out in the past, I've always noticed like he always looks like he's, he's at the point of like passing out, right? And I thought maybe he's at the point of passing out because he's got so much on top, <laughs> so little to hold all of that, that he's exhausted. Christian, you're exhausted because you skip leg day. You got all this word up here. You got none of it in your legs. What I'm saying is many of us are all talk and no walk. So I'm asking you today, you skipping leg day, bro? Because at some point, the pants are going to be off and the shorts are going to be on. And we're all going to recognize, wow, you've never done a squat in your life. <laughs> Will you stand with me on your feet? So as a Christian, don't be all arms and no legs. As a follower of Jesus, don't. Don't just work on what people see. Work on what's really going on in your life. The stuff that's unseen. So how do I get rest? First of all, I deal with my own. Three things I'm going to give you. I deal with my own entitlement. I want to tell you something. You deserve better. You do. But you're not entitled to it. You've got to work for it. When you feel like you're entitled, this leads to some of the most destructive behavior in our lives that we justify. Some of my worst decisions have been entitled ones. Whenever I think God owes me or people owe me, I'm exhausted because it's exhausting keeping up with all of those invoices. Like that person, you owe me. Galatians 3 and 5 says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each person should test his own actions. So I deal with my own entitlement. Second thing, I deal with my defensiveness. That part of me when an idea or a thought is challenged, that part of me that's like, mm. or someone asks me a question or offers any criticism or advice, that part of me that wants to rise up and strong reactions to small disagreements, correction, or resistance, that's defensiveness. Yeah. See, it's not, it's not your fault. Nobody intentionally chooses wrong. <laughs> You're always right, right? It's not you. <laughs> it's defensive. That part of you, when you, when you read something, or you watch a video or you see some and that, that heat starts to rise in your, that's defensiveness. So I'm asking God, where's my rest gone? Where's my strength gone? You're entitled. You're defensive. Third thing, I got to get rid of blame. It's always somebody else's fault. Things go right, I, I, I. When things go wrong, they, they, they. God, don't let me be that way. Come on, somebody. 
I want my rest back. I want my strength back. I want my strength back. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we want our rest back. We want our strength back. Help us, God, to stop sitting in the wrong seat. It's exhausting trying to be who you alone are. Help us to recognize we are not the lawgiver nor the judge. You alone are. Help us, God, to sit in the right seat, not the seat of the judge, not the seat of the lawgiver, but the seat of the lawbreaker. The Bible teaches us that if you broke one law, you are guilty of them all. So don't sit in here today and say, I, I can't remember. No, no, no. Did you, have you thought a bad thought? Ha, have, you, have you had anger in your heart? Yet every person in this room has broken the law at some point this week and needs to fall on the mercy and the grace of the almighty God. God, help me to get out of the seat that I was never intended to sit in so that I can get my strength back. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen.